We just got back from Newcastle. Well, not Newcastle, although we've been to Newcastle, <laughs> up to Forster and... Uh, the Mid-North Coast. Yeah. And then Newcastle and then Lake Macquarie, just having a bit of an explore, really. Yeah, and Newcastle's going gangbusters on apartments. Like, the Absolutely. skyline is full of cranes. Yeah. And the some... house prices are higher than the cranes are. <laughs> yeah. And apartment prices are getting pretty expensive as well. Some of those new ones are off the plan. Yep. I mean, the the architects have won prizes for the designs, and the prices really reflect that. Right. Okay. But we're not going to be talking about that in this show. We've got so many other things to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about building insurance. We're going to talk about barbecues and on balconies. We're going to be talking about affordable housing and families. Are apartments appropriate for families, or are they even better than houses? Is that possible? I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the flat chat column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams, and I write about property for domain. And this is the flat chat wrap. Sue, did you see that story about insurance premiums for new buildings? Yes, that they've gone up five times in the last few years. And do you know what it's all about? Uh, I get so confused about home warranty insurance (laughs) and apartments. It just seems so complicated. So basically that's because uh, any apartment block over three storeys high, the builder doesn't need to take out building warranty insurance. Right. So our insurance, though, for for people in those blocks is just going sky high, it seems. Well, the ones who, who do have, who will be buying properties that are covered by building warranty insurance are finding, there was a report earlier, and we mentioned it on the podcast, that the fund for these insurance claims was $700 million in debt. And so they're trying to claw that back by increasing the premiums. But it's a very strange system. That insurance only kicks in if you have building defects and it's within the first six years and the developer is either dead or has gone out of business. Right. So it's a very limited and narrow, but everybody's got to pay the insurance premiums. Oh, okay. Because I guess really the, you know, if there are defects and if a builder has gone out of business, then... People can be up for millions of dollars in, oh, yeah. in costs, I suppose. Yeah. That's why maybe premiums are going to be so high. Well, exactly, because you, you, what it comes back to is buildings being badly constructed. And that's what the much-mentioned David Chandler is trying to deal with that and is doing so with some effect. But it still leaves this $700 million hole. So what it means is, yet again, we are paying for all the mistakes that have been made over the past few years and all the dodgy buildings that have been put up by bad builders and bad developers. And, yeah, it's okay to run around and say, oh, we're not going to approve this block, we're not going to give you a certificate of occupancy, Uh, you've got to repair these things. There just needs to be more done, doesn't there? Mm. And, I mean, retrospectively you know, repairing all these buildings is so much more expensive than if they were just done right in the first place. Yeah, if I come to you and say, hey, look at this fabulous diamond, give me $100,000 for it, and then you take it to a jeweler and the jeweler says, (laughs) that's not a diamond, that's a piece of glass. I go to jail. 
because I've committed a fraud. Mm. But if I come to you and say, here's a fabulous apartment, it's going to be terrific, give me $700,000 for it, and you move in and you go, well, it's not terrific. There's holes, there's leaking, it's, things don't work, the doors don't fit, the windows don't close. I go, ah, oh, tough, you should have been more careful. Mm. They really have to start looking at developers and builders who deliberately, consciously set out to defraud home buyers, make it a criminal offence. It's a fraud. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's the only answer. That's right. I guess, yeah, that's absolutely right, because that's the only motivation that's going to make people build better buildings. Yeah. And make them... Or get out of the industry. Yeah. And there's so many people there thinking they can make a quick buck. Yeah. And they really shouldn't be there in the first place because they're not there to build quality homes. They're just there to make a profit. And we can see on the horizon another spate of substandard buildings with the government announcement and the budget the week before last that they are going to put $124 million, is it into affordable housing. And somebody has quite rightly said... Well, the government is banging on about putting $15 billion into infrastructure. Isn't housing infrastructure? Does it have to be a bridge or a, or a road or something that you can point at and go, hey, look, we yeah, did this? Good point, actually. Yeah, housing is infrastructure, isn't it? It helps yeah. keep the world turning. Well, <laughs> it keeps helps keep the rain off people's heads. It gives people homes. Mm. In America, in their big... Uh, investment and trying to recover from the disaster, the joint disaster of Trump and COVID. Joe Biden is saying preschool is infrastructure. Mm. Allowing parents to put their kids into preschool, allowing the kids to learn and grow in preschool, allowing the parents to go back to work. That is infrastructure. And of course, the Republicans are saying, no, no, it's got to be a bridge or a road Mm. or a railway line because they're hard of thinking. But I think housing certainly is infrastructure. Mm, Yeah, you're right. And all the ancillary things that come with that, the new roads and railway stations and things like that. So we've got to be less blinkered about how we spend our money. The Labour Party says 124 million, we top that. When you elect us, if you elect us, we're going to put $10 billion into affordable housing. Wow. Do you believe it? That's a big difference, isn't it? It's It's easy to make those kind of promises in opposition too, really. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, there is no doubt that we need to have a big investment in affordable housing. We need to have people, you know, really important workers like nurses, um, doctors, um, police officers, fire officers. Journalists. Maybe not journalists so much. (laughs) But we need to, to allow those people not to have to commute for two hours from the from the far reaches of the CBDs yeah. into the CBDs to service all those people like us who need their services. Yeah. No, it's, it's perfectly logical. It makes common sense. It's morally correct. All of those boxes are ticked. Why doesn't the government just do Get it? Get on with it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. When we come back, we are going to talk about families and whether apartments are appropriate or even really, really good places for families to live. That's after this. And we're back. Sue, you did a huge article in Domain Magazine, is that correct? Yep, that's right. And it was about comparing 
apartments and houses for families. Yeah, I kind of thought it's really interesting, isn't it? You know, apartments always used to be for couples, for single people, for people downsizing, just retired couples. Um, but really, there are more and more families now living in apartments. And many of those families really love apartments. It's not just a stepping stone to a house. So I thought I'd talk to one family who live in an apartment and who really love it, and one family who live in a house and really love it too. Right. And then talk to them each about what the advantages and disadvantages of each type of housing. Right. And it was really interesting. The apartment family adore apartments. Their kids love apartments as well because um, they can walk to school they may not have a backyard, but their backyard instead are the local parks. Right. So their parents take them to the parks far more often than than perhaps people in, in houses do because people in houses say, well, we've got a great lawn, we've got a backyard. backyard, we can go and play there instead. kick a ball against the neighbour's fence. Yep, yep. <laughs> and and uh, this family, actually, the other f- parents take their kids to the same parks, so they... They all hook up, they all meet and play together yep. in the park. Yep, and in an apartment building there are other families and the kids are good friends with the other families in the same block. So they can have sleepovers really easily. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of, it's, they think it's a really healthy way to live because the kids are getting exercise all the time, walking to the park rather than just, you know... Slumping in front of the TV. Well, that's right. Or kicking a ball against the neighbour's fence. Yeah. Um, what were the disadvantages? Um, space is always a disadvantage. Yeah. But, you know, there's two sides to the coin. The people in the house said it's fantastic having our own spaces. You know, the kids have each got their own bedroom. They've each got their own ensuite. They've each got, they've got a separate living area to the parents as well. They've got kind of like an underground big playroom. Right. Um, where they can, you know, have fun just to their heart's content and it's not Playing too Playing video games and... Yeah. Yeah. And dancing and things. Oh, right. And the... F- the family in the apartment, they have a lot less room, so the kids have their own bedrooms, but they don't have their own kind of living spaces. Mm. But at the same time, we talked to a psychologist who was saying that it's really healthy for families to spend more time together right. rather than each drift off to their separate spaces and yeah. spend time individually there. So that's kind of an interesting idea, isn't so it? So if you've because got too much space, the family, yeah, the family be members isolating. become socially disconnected. Mm, that's right. And kids, when they're, like they may be sharing bedrooms or they may be sharing lots of spaces, they learn how to share, and that's really important for, yeah. for kids as well. And they, you know, they learn how to compromise, they learn how to get on with their siblings um, because, you know, they have to really. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's pretty interesting as well. That thing of teaching kids to spend time on their own, do exactly what they want, when they want, well, we know how those kids are going to turn out, don't we? Oh, well, no. I mean, it's it's good to, to teach them how to be independent and yeah. stuff. But it's sometimes not such a big disadvantage when they can't spend time on their own all the time. Yeah. Right. And, of course, most people in apartments, they live close to the city, so they live close to amenities, they live close to parks and schools and shops and cafes people in houses often have to get into a car to drive to those places right so that's an advantage as well Those some people in houses say well it's nice to be away from the city so it's kind of yeah it really evened out but it was interesting to see families who are so passionate about each different type of housing yeah and those in apartments who were very happy there who had no desire whatsoever to gravitate to a house and you asked 
the little boy in the apartment if there was anything he wished the building had that it didn't have. <laughs> yeah, that was very cute. I mean, he's only a little boy. He's how old was he? Six six years old, I think. He said, um, "There's one thing he'd love in his apartment building that he doesn't have." And that was a TV as big as 16 cinema screens. <laughs> he worked it out very, very carefully. Yeah. He says, but unfortunately, I don't think we're going to have room for that. So that was kind of cute. So it's very realistic, but it's nice to dream. When we come back, we're going to talk about a question that has been raised many times in Flat Chat, both in print and on the podcast and on the radio, When occasionally when I'm on the radio. And it's about barbecues on balconies. Mm. That's after this. And we are back. And just as we arrived home, I received a an email to the Flat Chat website from somebody saying, are you allowed to have charcoal barbecues on balconies? Charcoal barbecues. Wow, that's a new one. Well, I, yeah. it's usually about gas barbecues, isn't well, it? Well, gas barbecues are the are the most common ones. I mean, look, you know, from way back, I think barbecues on balconies are the most selfish, disgusting, often the most selfish and disgusting thing people can do on their balconies because of the stink, the the stink of cheap meat being burned. The stink of last week or last month's fat being burned off to clean the barbecue. I mean, I, I was talking oh, to somebody. Oh, don't pull your punches, Jimmy. <laughs> I was talking to somebody on the radio about this, and I said about you know burning off the fat, and he said, "But that's my favourite part of the whole process." Oh no! <laughs> so are people really that dim that they don't realise that the smoke going up? is going into another person's apartment. Do they choose not to care? Anyway. Or maybe they just assume that everybody loves the smell of burnt meat and they would love getting smoke into their apartment as well. I remember being um, in an apartment and a huge waft of smoke, like a huge cloud of smoke, came into the apartment and we all ended up coughing in there. (laughs) That was very specific because you were having an executive committee meeting in which you were discussing whether or not the former chairman should be allowed to have a barbecue (laughs) on his balcony (laughs) and the smoke came pouring in. Mm. And we used to live in an apartment block where... Every weekend, a couple came down from the country, they fire up the barbecue, they'd burn off the previous week's fat, and then cook up whatever they'd brought with them. And we asked them to be a bit more considerate, and they said, surely it's not that bad. And then we discovered, to our joy, there was a bylaw already (laughs) existing in our bylaws saying you cannot have a barbecue on the balcony. And Mm. they had to get rid of it. Excellent. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. So, Small victories. So, you know, charcoal barbecues, it could be like a big cut oil drum, I suppose, with coals in it, or it could be one of these little, what are they called, hibachi? The, mm, oh, yeah. The little Japanese thing that you can buy in the supermarket, and it's got a fire lighter in it. And it Are they allowed? Well, what do you think? Um, well, I guess if there is no bylaw against them, then they are allowed, aren't they? I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, would they be worse than gas barbecues? Oh, for or? sure. I mean, you've got smoke charcoal is, is oh, it could, could be burnt wood, but it's often it's just a form of carbon. The mm. smoke coming off that is I've read somewhere uh, 
They, there's a, a, a French greenies movement called Robin, Robin de Bois. All right. Who say that the smoke from a barbecue is something like 50 times worse than the smoke from smoking a cigarette. Oh, my goodness. Now, wow. <clears throat> when the new laws were coming in 2016, I remember, I think the Daily Telegraph was running stories fed to them by fair trading saying that barbecues would be banned under the new laws. And that never happened. Because mm. they said the smoke from barbecues would be banned under new laws. And I remember calling up fair trading and saying, I've read the, you know, the proposed, the bill, and it says smoke from smoking. Mm. You not can, barbecues. You, not barbecues. And they mm. said, no, 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 it's barbecues as well. And then, of course, it turns out, Surprise, surprise, fair trading didn't know what they were talking about, and <laughs> it wasn't barbecues at all. It was smoke from smoking. There is a general law, not a bylaw, that says you cannot create a nuisance. Oh, right. And a nuisance in strata law, I've been told, isn't just something that's a bit annoying. Mm. It actually has to have a detrimental effect on people's health oh, or comfort. Okay. Yep. Now, yep. smoke from charcoal would certainly cause a lot more discomfort than the fumes from frying sausages and burgers and things and steaks. So that's one element. Then we have the other issue of flammable cladding <gasps> and fire yes. safety. Mm. Is it a good idea to have naked flames in charcoal barbecues on basically inside the building, mm. within the, the boundaries of the building? And again, I would say that's probably arguable that you could say this is dangerous, especially if you're one of these buildings that has flammable cladding on the outside of it. Right. But you're right. I think it comes down to the bylaws. And our bylaws in our building, which, thanks to the idiot original chairman, allow barbecues, specifically don't allow charcoal Oh, okay. It's got to be a gas barbecue or an electric barbecue. Mm. And uh, naked flame barbecues are not allowed. Right. So basically people have to check their own bylaws, but really it would be a good idea if they don't have any bylaws on barbecues to make sure you can't have naked flames and charcoal barbecues, even if you want to allow gas and electric barbecues. Yeah. And, And I think if you don't have a barbecue bylaw in your building... You should get one, and that will require canvassing the wishes of the majority of people. I mean, we in, a, in our building, you know, over a hundred units. I'd say there's about maybe twenty barbecues mm-hmm. on the balconies. Most of them clustered around my flat. Yeah, <laughs> just to annoy. I <laughs> like the Brady Bunch, all <laughs> the corners. But when that issue, whenever that issue comes up for a vote. And somebody and we say, can we pass a bylaw banning barbecues? The vast majority of people say, no, we don't want that. And it's the same thing as you know the swimming pool. Should we stop heating the swimming pool in winter? No, let's not do that. Is the overwhelming vote, even though a tiny number of people actually use it. It and that's how I think it comes down to the saleability that people perceive their apartments to have. Mm. Like, is my apartment going to be less saleable if we ban barbecues, if we stop heating the swimming pool in winter? 
Or is it going to be harder for me to get tenants when I'm renting it out? That's another issue. Mm. But it's it's funny. One one of the latest trends really is fire pits. People have. Well, let's have them on the balcony. Well, that's right. I mean, on you the balcony. Think, um, fire pits on terraces and things in houses seems to be the thing that people want now, or in their garden, or on their back it's veranda. What, what is it? But you kind of think you wouldn't allow a fire pit. On an apartment balcony, would you? So why would you allow a naked flame with a charcoal barbecue? It's the same kind of thing. Absolutely. But the other side Just of this... one's got a rack on and the other one hasn't. The other side of this thing is, it's, it's funny, if you want to build a house and build a permanent barbecue structure, whatever, it has to be something like 10 metres away from the nearest wall of the house. <laughs> That's in the, most of the planning laws. Yet, you can stick a barbecue on the balcony, which, as I said, is inside the boundaries of the building. Mm. Logic dictates, if only logic did dictate, that you shouldn't have barbecues anywhere near the individual balconies. Have a barbecue out the back. Have a Mm. great big barbecue that people can go and they can put a $2 coin in. They They can book it. People can meet there, they can socialise. It becomes an, an asset to the community rather mm. than this selfish, oh, I'm sorry about the smoke that's stinking out your apartment, but I mm. do need to have my sausages well burned. <laughs> okay. Now you've got that off your chest, I got Jimmy. that off my chest. Fine. Um, it's been interesting travelling down through the central coast. Mm. Yeah, and the, the, amazing seeing how many new apartments are coming up around there. I mean, lots of new houses, but also lots of new apartments everywhere, yeah. really. Yeah, and mm. the prices are just astonishing. They are. I mean, I, I guess since COVID, lots of people are moving out from CBDs down the coast and up the coast and to the regional areas. So therefore, there's there's kind of a real drive to urbanise those those areas further away from the cities. Yeah. So they're becoming they're having cafes, they're they're having restaurants, they're having more and more apartments, and so it's becoming a lot more like the city in those places too. Yeah. But just on a much smaller scale, obviously. Yeah. But um, interesting to see some of the prices. Yeah. And uh, some really nicely designed, really good architectural structures coming up. But um, people are really paying the price for them, really. Yeah. Well, I, I guess as getting back to that whole thing about the insurance, if you want quality, you got to pay for it. Mm. You, or to put it another way, you can only get what you pay for, but sometimes you don't even get that. <laughs> sure thing. Thanks, Sue. Um, Thanks, Jimmy. Busy weekend, and it's going to be another busy week, I feel, coming up. Uh, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us, and thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Wrap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flat-chat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Wrap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.